Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where sometimes we're impulsive. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I'm impulsive all the time. Yeah, I'm impulsive less so than you. But today we are talking about impulse buys, because we wanted to. I don't know. I, I thought it would be an interesting topic, because I impulse bought some board games last week, or two weeks ago, sometime in the last couple of weeks. And it got me thinking about the whole process of, like impulse buying and when you think things through versus when you just like do it and react so that's kind of where this came from right yeah and it's it's one thing for me to think about all of this because i do impulse buying a lot in spurts it's weird how i have to get myself in the mindset of i'm not going to either i'm either not going to spend any money or i'll buy what i want it'll be okay and so it just depends entirely on what it is for me uh, that i'll i'll when it is for me i guess is the better way of putting it yeah i'm the kind of person that i check my bank account multiple times a day so i always know like exactly how much money i have at any given moment and that just comes from like being super tight with money for years like right after we had kids like money has been tight until I don't know, the last year, things finally have been feeling pretty good, which is weird for us. But like, because of that, and all of that history, like, I've just I'm so in the mindset of like, I check my bank account multiple times a day. So even when I impulse buy, I know that like, I have the money and it's fine. Um, But I I generally like think through most of my purchases way ahead of time. Um, You know, I got thinking about this because I was looking for board games to play with my kids. And normally when I buy board games, I'll research them a lot and I'll think about them for a while, like weeks, you know, I'll add them to like an Amazon wish list or uh, whatever. I have a bunch of other board game sites that I shop to, um, but a wish list somewhere and just kind of let it sit. And this is one where I realized that like when I'm looking for board games, I like something that's like elegant and simple, but like you can keep learning as you play it, you know, and it's like, easy to learn hard to master there's layer after layer that you can like play a game for years most of the time if i'm looking for something that's gonna last and i finally realized like i don't need that for my kids like they just want to (laughs) play dumb games and so i went on amazon i did the opposite of what i normally do i basically just searched for games that were like kind of in the age group or slightly above the age group my kids are and i just looked for top rated ones and i just clicked on things that i thought looked fun for the theme for either me or them and i bought like five games and just like based on the star rating and that was all which is totally not like me that is not like you like that really yeah you don't you research everything it's like i know that like from chairs to beds to just everything that you've ever bought it's like you do a massive amount of research on stuff and it's just and games you know exactly what games are coming out and how they're going to do when it's like that's that's nuts for me just to think that you go on star rating on that for your kids yeah it was definitely not normal for me which is why i kind of wanted to talk about it because i get the impression that you impulse buy more often than i do i do but like i said it goes in phases where like my wife and i both work this way so it's really strange where when we want something it's like all we can think about it's like it doesn't matter what it is it could be something as as like adult as an air purifier or something as as silly as you know a nintendo switch or this indie game or whatever but that's what we think about like we will research and we will look up and we will we'll be like no i shouldn't buy this but i'm gonna i'm gonna buy it eventually i shouldn't buy this i shouldn't buy this but here is and we narrow it down to this is exactly the one that i want whatever it is we narrow it down to this is what i want and 
then just we wait a little bit and then it's like, nope, I'm going to buy it regardless of the cost, regardless of what it is. We've convinced ourselves at that point where it's not even research. It's just like we've put it aside for a while. And it's just like it came back. It's like, you know what? I'm going to buy that thing that I was looking at months ago. And then we just buy it and, and have it done. It, it's just super weird how we'll just see. stuff. So it's like, nope, I want that. Uh, and we'll I'll buy it like video games. I'm really bad about that. Um and like I'll buy cheap video games that I know I'm not going to play, that I'm not going to play for a long time. That's interesting. At least, yeah. Like I mean, today, I, I oh. do like like you were saying. You know, you like think about it and think about it. I do that, but I do it with research for a really long time. And then when I finally like figure out the right one, then I just buy it. Like I don't wait on it, like you were saying that you do. But I definitely have a ton of upfront research. My wife makes fun of me because I'm impossible to buy gifts for, which I know a lot of people mm-hmm. say that about themselves or their spouses or whatever. But there was uh, a point in our relationship where my wallet was just like wearing out and I needed a new wallet. And I wanted like I, I like the trifold type of wallet and I just couldn't find the right thing for me. And she was like, oh, I know, like he's impossible to buy for. He's been looking for this. I'll just get him a wallet for his whatever it was, birthday or holiday or something. And she's like, I'm going to buy you one. What do you want? And I just like, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Let me look. It took me a year and a half after that to find the right wallet. And then I finally bought it. And when it showed up, she's like, there you go. There's your present from two, like a year and a half or two years ago or whatever. That's like normally how I operate. Like, I know I need to buy a lawnmower because I have a lawn this year. So I've been looking at lawnmowers for the last, basically since like the day that I bought this house. And the Cobalt Electric, get the, uh, it's, Ours is cobalt, and it's the highest volt electric that they make with the highest width on it. It is fantastic. Yeah, I'm not Look doing for, that. I've been researching. I know what I'm going to get, but I'm I'm very, very close <laughs> to making a purchase, and I've been researching for months. And so, like, that's how I typically operate. So, yeah, definitely coming from a different place than you are. Yeah, I mean, and one of the oh uh, and like today we were talking about it today like jennifer went out of town today uh when we record this like she has a conference so i'm going to be here at the house i'm going to be working and uh uh then have the nights uh, alone and so i was thinking i was like jennifer's going out of town i can buy a new video game and play it and then i realized uh, and, and it was just impulsive. It was like, I'm going to be at home alone. I need a new video game. And then I realized I had to stop myself because, and this was today, that I already have new video games that I have not played, that I have them loaded on my PS4 and my Switch right now, brand new games that I have not touched or that I've played maybe 10, 15 minutes of. And it's just like, why? It's just this, in, this impulsivity on mine. It's like, I need something new right now. And uh, I actually stopped myself from it today, which is unlike me, because usually I would have just gone to GameStop and grabbed something, grabbed Yoshi's Crafted World, probably. Well, I mean, let's talk about some of our bad impulse buying habits. Then we can talk about the good ones. Because I know you and I both listed a few in here. Um, and yours, like one that as soon as I brought up this as a possible topic you were like oh i'm that way with games so do you want to talk a little bit more in depth about that because for you i feel like from what i know of your buying habits it's probably more the triple a games that you tend to impulse buy which is kind of interesting for me that it's the more expensive ones it is it's the more expensive ones and it's always like the triple a games like destiny 2 uh destiny 2 was definitely an impulse buy um spider-man was actually an impulse buy because i didn't know i was wasn't planning on buying it and then i saw everyone talking about it and i wanted to join in on it monster Hunter World uh, was an impulse buy. Nino Kuni 2 was uh, an 
uh, an impulse buy. Uh, technically, Dragon Quest Eleven was an impulse buy. Um, and there was a lot more that I've ended up Steam returning. Um, Sekiro might end up being an impulse buy because I keep having to just stop myself. It's like, no, you know you're not going to like this. Stop it. Uh, because I've been burned so many times on buying this game that everybody else is super into and then hating it. That I get just a little bit in. It's like, this is not a game that I want to play. And it's uh, it's really bad for me because AAA games don't really tend to be my uh, my favorite ones to play. That uh, they're, they're fine generally, but I don't tend to stick with most of them over a long period of time, sometimes even a short period of time. Yeah, it's super interesting, it's especially because you list Spider-Man as an impulse buy, because that's like the reason that you bought a PS4. But then yep. when the game came out, you were almost going to not buy it for whatever reason. Well, it wasn't that I wasn't going to buy it. It's that I wasn't going to buy it right then, that I wasn't uh, I was playing through something else. There was something else going on. I w- think I was prepping for uh, going to Spain at the time when it came out. And I was just like, I don't need to buy Spider-Man right now. There's no reason for me to spend this money. I'll get this, you know, when I when it goes on sale in like three weeks or something like that and uh i didn't i bought it i bought it on uh the release weekend so i could play it and talk with everybody and love it i mean it's there was just one of those things and uh it it worked that one worked out really well like spider-man and nino kuni 2 and dragon quest 11 were all really good impulse buys on that but like destiny 2 monster hunter world Mm-mm. It's like even back in the day, like Champions Online. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like it was yeah. terrible. I paid a lot of money for the collector's edition of that. Not good. Not good at all. Like uh, the collector's edition of the Old Republic and things like that. Like I impulse buy things like that, like the expensive versions of things. It's like I'm like, you know, this isn't that much more. And then it turns <laughs> out like it's uh, like it's not worth it at all all um and sometimes they are sometimes they absolutely are but most of the time it's not well that's funny i like i never buy the collector's edition of anything ever because i don't know i just don't like physical objects that much i think um i'm so digital only these days but um for me my bad impulse buying habits i have them under control at this point but it used to just be books like i love buying books and the problem was I would buy way too many books, and this is physical books, when I had physical books. Mm. And for years and years, I would just overbuy books, and then they would sit on my shelf, or they would sit on my nightstand, or they would sit in my room in a pile, and I would never read through them all. Like, I'd get to some of them, but then I would want to go and get, like, something new, right? Like, you've been seeing it sitting there on your shelf or whatever for months, and it's like, that's old. Like, it's been there for months. I need a new book, even though I haven't ever touched it. And so that was... That was bad. Like, that was probably my worst impulse buy that I did for years and years. Um, I kind of got around it these days by whenever I see a book I'm interested in, I add it to my list. So it's the same thing that I've talked about before, where I have, like, a list for all the different things, you know, like video games and, like, shows and movies and books or whatever I want to read. So I'll just add it to my reading list. And then whenever I'm about ready to read it, that's when I'll actually buy it. So that I typically will buy it within like 48 hours of starting to read it. Um, so it doesn't feel stale to me, which is dumb because it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like it'll sit there. It doesn't matter to the book when I buy it, but it matters psychologically to me. It's kind of strange. It absolutely does. I'm the exact same way with books and, and, and media, I guess I should say media. I'm like that because Kindle books are really bad about that. I used to be bad about uh, physical books, too. But since I've transitioned to ebooks that literally just just transitioned that that as well, um, I actually had to stop 
subscribing to the Kindle Daily Deals emails because I would see really good deals on books that I wanted to read. So I would just buy it and never read it. That is just in my Kindle library and I will, I, I probably won't ever read it. And cause there are books that I still haven't gotten to. And there's, I got them because they were $3 and I was like, yeah, yeah I'll that read way that. Lies I'm not. Yeah, it uh, does. That's what happens with steam sales for me. And, um, but I'm the same way. If I bought it though, like those books, it's like, I know that they're in there on my Kindle. Well, I say in there cause that's where my Kindle is. I pointed to the other room. I know that they're, they're on my Kindle account. I know that I can read them anytime I want, but they're not new. So whenever I want to sit down and read something, I'm like, yeah, but that's been on there for the last three years. If yeah, I hadn't exactly. read it by now, I'm not going to, I'm going to look and see what's new that I can read. And it's ridiculous. Ridiculous! It's silly. It's stupid, but I do it. I'm just like you in that respect. It's it's so I don't buy them until I'm ready. I sample them, and then I end up buying it after I read the sample uh, because I've learned that that's a much better uh, financial, a much better financial decision for me. Uh, so I don't nickel and dime myself like that. I'm a lot better with Kindle books just because they I don't physically see them every day. I think that was like the psychological trick for all of the like physical books when I was buying them, they would sit somewhere that I would see them or I'd walk by them or like sit by them multiple times a day. Um, Kindle books, like if I'm not going into the Kindle app regular to regularly to read, I'm not seeing them all the time. So they still feel new whenever I get to them. Uh... Um, but that's definitely a way around it. And I mean, it helps that when you buy a Kindle book, it takes like 30 seconds, 60 seconds to download. It's like nothing. You don't have to wait that mm -hmm. long for it, you know? So there's no need to buy them ahead of time. So I have a bunch of choice in reading like it used to be. Um, now I just, download it right away and read it right away and that happens to me with a lot of playstation sales that actually the worst one i say steam sales but really playstation network sales do that to me where i'll see something and be like that's a really good deal on that i've been wanting to play that so i'll buy it and i will load it onto my playstation 4 and then end up having to delete it whenever i need room for something else because i picked it up for eight dollars and it uh, it i haven't started it yet um i I've, and I, I do that a great deal. Uh, the uh, the flash sales are uh, are really bad for me to to get things from. Yeah, at least I don't have that with like video game deals because I tend to buy all the games I'm interested in right away when they come out. So yep. like at this point, I have everything on Steam that I want, um, except for a couple things in my wish list that like aren't out yet. And then um, whenever a Steam or a sale happens on PSN or Steam or whatever, it's the same thing. I look at it and I'm like, oh, those are great deals on games that I've either played already or beaten already or bounced off of already. But like, right. I know exactly what all those are. Like, I'm not even tempted. And one thing that uh, that yeah, I'm right now fighting one of those uh, RPG. Well, it's an RPG. It's fighting one of those thinking about it a lot. Is that I heard I've heard so many things over time about the Legend of Heroes games, the Trails of Cold Steel and trails in the sky that uh and i saw some video the other day talking about how it was just this one epic giant fantastic story and i know uh grant from uh, gilmore ball z uh podcast is has been trying to get me to play this forever and and he uh he and everybody else has and so i see it and i know it's twenty dollars on the vita right now and that's all it is that's its normal price and i'm playing through other games right now but i want to just go buy it so that i have it to play if i want to and 
there's no reason for me to do that. It is strictly impulsive wanting that dopamine hit of buying it and knowing that I can start that and see what's so great, even though I'm invested in things that are awesome already. I just want that impulsive dopamine hit. Yeah, and at this point, I've gotten really good at tricking myself into just feeling that from adding it to a list. Like, I get satisfaction of, like, Mm. oh, I captured it, right? Like, there's something about that, like, oh, that's a good idea, or, yeah, that thing looks interesting. I need that in my life. And, like, for me now, having that in my life is adding it to the list so that when I have time, I can get to it. And so I get a little bit of that hit from just adding it to one of my lists, which sounds dumb, but I've trained myself to do that, and it has saved me so much money over time. It's crazy. That is really interesting to me because that is the opposite of what adding something to a list does for me. It makes me, whenever I have it on a list, even a to-do list, not not even just a list of, oh, I want to get to all of these movies or games or books, it's... uh, I have to be able, like, I want to start working on it and working my way through it immediately. Like the, the, I told you that we're working on the uh, Stratus RPG, and so I've got a Kanban board on on GitHub of quests that we're going to put in. They're separated by Skyport and by main quests and side quests and all of this. And as I'm adding things to it, I just want to work on them. I don't want to do any of the actual planning. It's like I need to knock these off. I need to I need to go get this done. It's like adding the adding things to list just motivates me more to get it off the list. That's interesting. Maybe it's because I have so many lists between work and like relaxing time that it's physically impossible to get to all of it. So I'm okay with that. Um, That is true. Yeah. I also have lived in the world of like having controlled chaos in my working life for basically my entire career. And it's about prioritizing lists when you physically can't get to everything on it. So I just I'm okay with it because I've been around it for so long. I understand that. And I'm a I'm an inbox zero kind of person. I I try to do that. I can't always because of the nature of my job, but I'm pretty good at it. Um, But I mean, that's kind of okay. We went down the path of like bad impulse buys. I also (laughs) want to talk about good impulse buys. And one of the interesting things here is, well, I should just put up out like up front my house, right? Like this house Mm -hmm. I talked to about, there's a whole episode if you want to hear all the details, but we moved on it so ridiculously fast and it's kind of an impulse buy, but it was also kind of something that we had been talking about for like five years. So it's in that weird middle ground where it was like the vague concept was not an impulse, but the actual act of doing it was very, very quick. And the thing is, I see that you have on your list that your house was also an impulse buy. Yes, it was. Like, I should even include moving and uh, the in the couple of years before getting the house, because one day the reason that we moved from uh, Tennessee to Alabama, uh, we're just an hour away the uh, where we from where we lived before. But the reason that we moved was one day we were sitting on the front porch and we had not really thought about moving seriously. We had talked that we wanted to, but it was just kind of vague in the future. We were sitting out on the front porch and our neighbors were so close on a Sunday morning, which is this beautiful Sunday morning that we couldn't like enjoy privacy. And so we just kind of looked at each other and was like, you want to move? You want to move to Florence? It's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And so like the next month we had prepped and everything got the apartment that we were moving into and and did that and so the same thing happened with our house it was we were happy in our apartment we loved it there like it was great i still miss that place in a lot of ways but when uh when we decided to get a house it was you know we should probably start and we knew what we were looking for like what kind of houses we like so yeah, it was, that makes uh, a huge difference you know 
we we should start looking for a house sometime. And so I was like, yeah, we should. So we did. And then seven days later, we put in an offer on a house. It was uh, it was just like that. It was like, we're going to get a house. And so then we put an offer on a house. And then we bought a house. It was very impulsive in terms of there was no planning or kind of ramping up to it. It was just we had done all of this in the vague past and knew what it was, and then we just acted on it. It was just an immediate, okay, I'm going to do this. It's super interesting that like your first house was that fast because Mm -hmm. I think I talked about mine was the opposite, where it was like it took us a year and a half to find that first house, and if we hadn't done that super long process and learned so much about it, we would not have been ready to act quickly on this house that we're in now. Um, Yeah, that was definitely through like a learning experience and having all that knowledge let us move faster on the second one, which doesn't sound like it slowed you guys down at all the first time. Well, my parents were in real estate, so I grew up around it. Oh, that's right. Um, So I knew at least around most. I had while I haven't done it myself, I knew what everything was. Um, I bought a house in college. Uh, My mom had bought me a house. I should say I was super lucky that we were like rich for there was a ten year period where my family was rich and it was awesome. And uh, so my mom bought me a house when I was in college, and then we sold it afterwards. So I had been part of that process of picking it out. And so since we were living in a family house already, it wasn't like we knew what we liked about that house and what we wanted to get in another one when we got our own so it was uh it was a combination of things uh outside of just us being impulsive it was like i want this now and then we did it okay that's fair i mean one of the other things that like i have on my good list is one of the couches that we bought because it was very very early when we moved in together for the first time my wife and i um which we were just dating at the time but we were obviously on the way to marriage we got there and um (laughs) it was our first apartment and we had like no money i mean we had a little bit but you know it was like money was super tight because we were young and we didn't have full-time jobs or any of that kind of stuff and um we saved up enough to get a mattress like a real mattress it was like a queen size you know going from whatever we had i think i had like my futon mattress or something we're like yeah that won't work for us living together oh wow yeah we we bought a mattress and we were like super proud of ourselves and we got a really good deal because it was like one of the last ones you know it was like a clearance type thing and it was great and then on the way out of the furniture store we were kidding around and we were like oh we should get a couch too and so we were sitting on literally every couch on the way out just because (laughs) we were kidding around and we had just spent like probably too much money for what we had at the time um and we were just trying to goof around and make ourselves feel slightly better after spending that amount of money and we got to literally the last couch before we got to the exit of the store and we sat on it and we made the same joke, but then we stopped and we looked at each other and went, actually, this couch is like extremely comfortable. And it was like, should we buy this? And we did. And it was, that was like the biggest impulse buy in my mind from a financial standpoint. If you look at the amount of like the percentage of our income that we actually spent that day that was probably the biggest impulse buy that we've ever done percentage wise you know not strictly money wise um and that was a great couch for years and years and years so that's a good memory that i have that is crazy to think about just doing that though like just sitting there's like we're gonna buy this couch that that that's something i've never been a part of like i'm so meticulous about what kind of of furniture i want like that's one where i'm like oh i'm gonna do the research on that it's like i'm gonna sit on every couch in the county to make sure that I get the exact one that I want, that uh, I'm, I'm such a homebody that I'm just like, I have to be comfortable all the time. 
it was super comfortable that's why it was yeah. yeah if it wasn't as comfortable as it had been and it probably helped that we had literally sat on every couch between like where we bought the mattress and leaving the store and it was a giant store so we had just sat on i don't even know how many couches and that one was just like oh my god this is so comfortable that's and do you still have this couch no not anymore it lasted Aww. um it lasted us a really long time until we had children, and then children have a high wear and tear quotient on. Yes, they, yeah. That's that's actually why I was wondering because with the kids and them getting as old as they are now, I was curious if it had lasted. Like if that that couch was the kind of quality that had made it through to today. No, no couch makes it through children. Like no furniture <laughs> has that quality. You can't have nice things when you have little kids. We're finally getting to the point where we can start having nice things again, and even that is questionable because they will still destroy it somehow even when we like they know the rules and they know not to do it like they'll just be jumping on something and you're like what are you doing and they're like i don't know i'm just breaking the rules it's like they yep. know and they still do they're, they're kids i mean you know you just don't buy nice things when you have little kids yeah that's true you don't uh well the other one was really like pretty recent about the iphone the iphone xs max like i got it recently when my other phone was still under contract and I, it came out and i was like i need to get this and so i had jennifer talk with her friend who worked at Verizon and got it. It wasn't a planned out thing. It wasn't even a, you know, I really, I really think I need this one or nope. It was like, I want this phone. It's out. We should do this. And I bought it. Yep, and, that worked uh, out. I mean, you're happy with it. Yeah, it worked out. I'm very happy with it. And then, uh, then the PS4 was actually an impulse buy when I got it. The uh, I got my job. I got a full time job from freelancing when I started at Elegant Themes. I honestly don't even think that I'd gotten a paycheck yet before I was doing the. I got a full time job. Money's not tight for the first time in like four years. I'm gonna order a PlayStation, and that's what I did. I just ordered a PS4 and Final Fantasy 15 and the Kingdom Hearts. Uh, like 1.5 and 2.5 collection and just shipped it to the house that as a as a i i'm going to be able to afford this in a few weeks uh present to myself and uh it's worked out really well i'm very uh very happy with it yeah i remember that that was that was really funny because it was definitely before your first paycheck i remember that conversation you're like i'm getting it anyway it's like okay, okay sure as long as you were happy but i i can verify that i was there at the time um same thing happened with the switch i woke up one day we played the switch um at austin's house when we were visiting it was the first time we had ever gotten to play the switch and uh Jennifer loved it. I loved it. And so I woke up from a nap one day with her putting a switch on my chest. Uh, she had just decided to go buy me a switch or buy us a switch. But she was like, Merry Christmas and put it on my chest like a month and a half before Christmas or two months or something. Oh, that's really it was, cool. So technically yeah. that was her impulse buy. <laughs> um it's interesting because the last one i have on, on my list for like good impulse buys is um indie games because like as mm. much as you impulse buy AAA games and regret them later i impulse buy indie games and whether or not it's a good game i never really bought like it's not that i don't care it's that i don't really mind because mm. um it's almost always a new experience even if it's one that doesn't click with me and i impulse indie i impulse buy indie games in the like less than $20 price range. It's usually somewhere between like 99 cents and like $15. So it's not yep. a huge thing. I mean, you can spend that on like lunch, you know, if you go out for lunch over a work hour or whatever, like it's not a ton of money. Um, and if I don't like it, then 
at least I gave a little bit of money towards an indie creator that's like doing their best and they're doing something new. And if I do like it, then it's amazing. And I find tons of indie games that I absolutely love that are super cheap too. So yeah. I impulse buy those a lot. I do that too with indie games. If I see one, there's it's about a $13 uh, limit for me. It's like if it's below $13, I will probably buy it if I see it. It's like, and it looks interesting. It's like, yeah, I'll pick that up and I'll, I'll just grab it. But for some reason, $14.99 is like, I have to wait on that to drop $2 before I'm going to impulse buy this one. Have no idea why. But it's like $12.99 is my sweet spot. I think 15 is kind of that spot for me if it's if it's less than 15 i will get it without thinking about it if it's more than 15 i hesitate so it doesn't mean that i won't get it but that's where i'll be like "Mm, maybe i should do some research or read some reviews Mm. or something um yeah if it's less than that and it looks vaguely interesting i'm like yep that's mine now i'm trying it right now uh, yep. without th- much thought i think there are a lot of people at that that price range too i think that's why the 14.99 does really really well for a lot of indie games yeah i could see that but i mean it kind of gets back to the subjective value of games which is one of the very first things we ever talked about on the podcast and really i would extend this to like the subjective value of almost everything in life right because the things that you impulse buy and regret i can impulse buy and have a really good time with mm-hmm. and it's so person by person the things that matter and the things that you react to and how you feel about them like um Sekiro, shadows die twice i am done with that game like i stalled out really? right after we talked about it last week and i just couldn't get farther i put probably like five or six more hours into it and i was just totally stalled out and the thing is i hit too many walls it was really hard but i decided to put it down and just like not come back but i had a really fun week and a half with that game and it was totally worth it to me to spend that money and get the game at launch and kind of be part of that initial experience and hear all the conversations right as they're happening for the first time and be in the thick of it that was completely worth it to me and i can see how it wouldn't be for other people i could see how you could buy a game and not care about like the timing and feel like oh i wasted the full price of a game and i didn't even get that far into it but that was one of those games where i don't regret it at all like it was great um and yeah i mean it's just that games mean different things and are worth different amounts of money to different people and it's like for me i did the same thing with fallout 76 i I bought it on launch day. I paid full price for it. And like the next week it had gone on crazy sale because people bashed it so much. But I don't regret buying that one because I had a really good time what I played for it, what I played of it. I have not gone back and played it at all since I stepped away from it. But I haven't looked and been like, I shouldn't have bought that. It's like, no, I enjoyed that a great deal. Like I had a lot of fun doing that. And it's kind of like you with Sekiro, where it's not even that it got too hard or anything. It was just like, nope, I've experienced this. I've played it. I'm good now. Yeah, and where Fallout 76 was one, I completely regret. If you could give me that money back, I would take it back in a second. Like I regret that purchase. I did not get my money's worth out of it because I just didn't feel like I did. But you know, it's mm. it extends to everything. But the other example that I was thinking of off the top of my head as we were talking about this subject were movies because Mm. you and i've talked about this like even on the podcast that you value seeing movies in theaters way way more than i do like i don't really need to be part of that initial discussion and i'm not very like spoiler sensitive either so if there is an interesting discussion i'll gladly read spoiler articles way before i ever see a movie or a show like that's no problem for me um whereas 
you know, I want to be part of a game discussion right when it comes out. So like you and I are kind of opposites with like movies and video games because you'll wait on a video game, but I'll wait a long time on a movie and not really care. And I can't stand waiting on movies that it's it's just one of those things. I think it goes back to having not only studied film and television but just always having been such a a film and tv guy like i just love them and i've always been a video game guy too but it was uh i think the major years of 1998 for up to about 2012 um i think that mmo era of mine where that was predominantly what i played really changed the way that i had to experience video games because up until i got into ultima online i was that way with games like I bought everything brand new when it came out I was I was talking with my friends about it I was getting on uh, internet message boards uh, whenever that started being a thing and then as MMOs became my thing I kind of stopped doing that with uh, brand new games it kind of fell behind on console games and then uh, but movies though have always been just right there it's like I want to see this I have to talk about this I want to know about this story I have to I just I just love it I love experiencing it in the theater with other people that uh, while I love a, a low-key kind of uh, empty theater there is really nothing like a sold-out theater of people experiencing a movie for the very first time together it's just there's a different energy in there my preference is always going to be having a theater completely to myself like I don't I don't care about I mean I will put up with opening night uh, vibe and crowd and stuff if i really want to see something like i'm planning on doing that for the new avengers movie for endgame but i would rather for most movies just wait a week or two and then go at a time when there's not a lot of people there um that's how i saw captain marvel with my kids the other weekend like i went early on a saturday morning not on opening weekend and i think there were two other people in the theater and it was like perfect it was great And I like doing that if it's a low-key movie. That if I go in and, like, it's, I don't even know. If I I want to see Bumblebee, and even at any point, it's like, yeah, I I don't care who's in there with me for that. But if it's a movie that I'm personally invested in for some reason or another, I want actually a big crowd there to be, uh, to kind of have that that murmur of, uh, that kind of electric kind of feeling that people get and uh, give off together. Cool. Okay. Well, impulsive topic, impulse buys. Uh, that was interesting. I'm glad we talked about it. Um, do you want to tell the nice people about our geeky offer of the week? Absolutely. Uh, we have a Patreon, and we would really appreciate you uh, taking a look at it and potentially throwing some uh, money at us. Uh, we have some really cool rewards. We have some cool stuff going on with Discord, and we really just uh, just have it there to keep covering the costs. So if you want to go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, help support the podcast. Um, it goes right towards hosting costs, basically. <laughs> yep. Um, around the network this week, Geekitude, uh, Joe's hand is getting closer and closer to being editable, editing, to editing again uh, every day. <laughs> that sentence went a lot of places. He's getting better. He's healing, which is the important part. Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. They talked about food on their episode this week, which who doesn't love food? Um, Capsule J is streaming Tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern, sometimes Thursdays and weekends. And then Troidal is streaming on Thursdays and sometimes randomly after dinner. Um, With all that said, our Weekly Geekery this week, what do you have? You're still watching Uh, movies, right? 
I'm still watching movies. I'm still doing uh, the MCU rewatch. We got through uh, Civil War was the last one we did. So I know that we got through. I don't remember where I was uh, last time we recorded, but we got through Age of Ultron, Civil War, and Ant-Man this last time. And we're ready to move into, I think, Doctor Strange is next. And uh, Age of Ultron is not as bad as I remember it being that uh, it's still a weaker movie than a lot of the rest of them, but I will concede that Thor The Dark World is weaker than Age of Ultron. Finally. Um, Yes, vindication. Thank you. Like I said, I I will admit it when I'm wrong. Um, I still like Dark World. Don't get me wrong, but it has moved way down uh, the ranks as I've watched them all together that I don't think it would have moved that far down in my uh, in my esteem if I hadn't watched it uh if I'd watched it on its own, if I just decided like, hey, I'm gonna watch Thor too, I think I would have. It would have been great. But since I've watched it around all of these others and how well they're put together and how well they're made, it was. Uh, it really was the weaker link. And uh, Civil War and Ant Man was so much better than I remember it being. This is only the second time I've seen the first Ant Man, and it was awesome like i was really impressed by how funny ant-man was um and how much i like the small stakes story in it uh so i really look forward to getting back to ant-man and the wasp when we do and uh dr strange is next and so that means that this will only be the second time i've seen dr strange i have not gone back since the theater to watch it so we've been meaning to we've been wanting to we talk about it when we see it on netflix and we just never started it so this is that's one of the reasons we decided to do this is because there are a few of the marvel movies like that and so we're going to get to watch that one next so i'm super excited have you gone back and watched any any of the mcu movies yet uh not recently i mean not since the time that i did the whole rewatch before infinity war um so i've seen them all at least twice but yeah i i haven't done it recently and I, I couldn't remember if you had gone back and watched any uh since then no um, i'll probably i mean i'll watch infinity war again pretty close to when endgame comes out just because i want to refresh myself and then um i want to start picking away at it with my daughter but i also don't want to feel like we have to rush through because there's yeah. no rush with her like you know they've all been out for years and years and she hasn't seen any of them so we'll get to them when we get to them yeah so that'll be that'll be fun the only thing that i remembered that i didn't remember is that uh uh civil war and ant-man had a little more language in them than i remembered that uh not even bad language or anything, but there were there were more uh, more swear words that I had thought that there was. Um, and then we went to a friend's game night, and uh, we we I played Settlers of Catan for the first time. For the uh, first time, really, for that's the interesting. First time, yeah, it was. I'd seen it. I had. Uh, seen people play it at gen con things like that never actually played it myself and uh, it was a lot of fun uh i lost but uh uh our friend jessica won but it was it was a lot of fun we had tried to play game of thrones Catan, uh but we were all kind of in a really weird headspace and learning base rules on top of new rules uh even they were like yeah it's been a long time we're just going to get the reg- regular board out and uh but it was a lot of fun i really truly enjoyed uh playing Catan, so i can't wait to do that one again and uh going with the topic talking about impulse buys a uh, kickstarter started yesterday for um adventure quest i put out an actual nintendo 
entertainment system game, an NES cart on Kickstarter uh, that turns out not to be an April Fool's joke. And I love Adventure Quest 3D. Like, I love this company. They are ridiculous and silly and quirky. And I paid $50 to buy an any, a brand new NES cart to play on my Nintendo that's sitting behind me. I'm there. Like, I didn't even have to think about it. it I almost bought the, like, $80 collector's edition of it, so I'd have a gold cartridge. Like, I talk about impulse buys. It was like, yep, that is, I am down for that. And uh, did it with no hesitation. Wow. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's, it, well, you'll have to tell me how it is when you get it, I guess. And they call it a, uh, I can't remember exactly, a Zeldavania, uh, I think is the way that they called it. Uh, something like that, where it's a, uh, the game itself looks pretty neat, where it's on an isometric field like zelda but looks like it has castlevania style combat like the way you attack stuff so it looks actually like they're doing neat stuff the adventure quest people really do put out good games and so when i saw it i was like that's too quirky and too awesome not to get and i have two nes's behind me so one of them will play this game cool very cool so so um this week i rearranged furniture can that be geekery that's so like adult and boring it is now that we've lived in our house long enough um we decided that two of the uh rooms on the main floor we wanted to switch like the function of them now that we had lived in the space and we finally did it like we knew that probably a couple weeks ago for sure we were just dragging our feet because we've been moving so much stuff that we needed a break honestly um but we finally got around to it this week so i built some new furniture and then i swapped two rooms worth of furniture and for us it was like the TV room and the guinea pig room, which is, it's like a family room and a living room, basically. But in terms of functionality, one had our guinea pigs in it and one had our TV in it. And we switched around which one was which. And we already love the decision. So the guinea pigs are closer to the common space and we see them more often. And then the TV has less reflective like light on it, which is such a, I don't know, it sounds like such a small thing, but like I already feel more relaxed when i'm like watching tv and playing games in the new room than i did before because there's no like glare on the tv that i'm fighting it's such a little thing that makes such a huge difference it's weird that's what it is though i mean your your life is better because of it yeah and again so this is just like you know stuff i i mentioned that stuff from moving into this house would drag into geekery probably for the next year this is just one of those things so i'm glad that we did that um besides that more like traditional geekery stuff like i said i impulse bought a bunch of board games to play with my kids so i got dungeon mayhem i got santorini i got five minute dungeon uh a game called dungeon and then a game called dragonwood and some of these are really good. Some of them are really not good, but they're good enough to play with kids. <laughs> so, like, let me start with some of the ones that I probably wouldn't recommend to most adults out there. Um, five Minute Dungeon, like, it's hectic and it's hard and it's kind of frustrating. We had to add a bunch of house rules to it. But after we did that, the kids have been having a ton of fun with it. So they're playing it consistently. I just felt stress at this game in a bunch of different ways. <laughs> so I would not recommend like Five Minute Dungeon. Like me playing Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah, maybe something like that. I I was not a huge fan of it. Um, so not that one. And then the game Dungeon is like an update to the classic D&D game called Dungeon from, I don't know, probably the 80s. And hmm. it feels like a classic board game. Like it's a move and encounter and then you roll some dice and you can pick up mystery treasure. And like it's not bad, but it feels like... 
I don't know, just, you know, those like Monopoly and Sorry and like all of those like traditional games feel like they drag in a very particular kind of way. And this game felt the same. So I probably wouldn't recommend it for that reason. Um, Some of the fun ones that we had were Dungeon Mayhem. It's like a very fun and quick competitive D&D card game where Hmm. you get you pick up a a deck that's pre-made that has a class. So it's either Barbarian, Paladin, Rogue or Wizard. And all you're trying to do is like defend yourself and like attack the other players until everybody else has zero health and you have some health remaining so um the decks are all balanced against each other you know and then you draw cards and they have like attack or healing or extra turns or special class powers like every class has its own powers which are cool it has some really fun flavor text so my kids were having a ton of fun with the flavor text and like yelling the card name as they slammed it down and um (laughs) there's not a lot of depth there's not a lot of replayability but this is one that like i think the next time we travel i'm gonna throw in my bag because it's really small it's just cards and a couple tokens in it but it was fun and it was easy and it's a great palette cleanser so like as an adult i would recommend it to other adults as either a warm-up game or a palette cleanser game not as like you're not going to spend your night playing this game is what i should say but it sounds like it could be a lot of fun though that that that's the kind of games that i like that i like short quick games if i'm not having to play them over and over again Yes, so this fits in that vein very well. And then um, Santorini was really good. I was surprised. Like, this is one that feels like it has more depth than I have... It feels like there's a lot more there. I've just scratched the surface of it. And it's a game where you have a big grid, you have two guys on the grid, or two, like, workers that you can move around. And on any turn, you do one move, and then you do one build. And so the whole point of the game is that, like, as you build on the spaces near you, you build up. And there's three levels. So, like, if you Google a picture of Santorini, you'll see a bunch of these towers that are built in different stages, right? You can have one level, two levels, or three levels, and then you can also have a dome on top. And so the ultimate point of the game is that you want to build enough that and position your guys so that you can stand on top of the third level of the tower, of any tower, because you can build a ton of them around the map. And it seems very simple because all you have to do is build and then get up to the third level. But the thing that makes it hard is that you can only move up or down one level at a time. So you kind of have to build a staircase and kind of build other buildings around it. And then there's this level of depth to the game because if there's a tower that's three high, somebody else can come by and they can build a dome on top of it, which blocks it. So you can't use that to win the game. (laughs) So there's this back and forth that's like subtle, but it feels like there's a ton of depth. And then on top of that, Every time you play the game, you draw um, or you get to pick from like a pantheon of gods and you get to pick a card that breaks the game in one way or another. So every one of the god cards changes a rule for you, but not for the other players. And then they get a different god. So everybody who's playing is breaking the game in different ways all at the same time. And it balances itself really well, but there's definitely a lot of depth there. So this is one that I keep going back to and I'm like, wow, this probably has a lot of replayability. That sounds really cool, actually. It and is. I, and I thought that you <laughs> I thought that you had mistyped it in the notes when you say the god cards do this. I thought it was just talking about the good cards. And uh no, there are actually god cards though. Okay. Yep, they're actually Greek, Greek pantheon gods. Um and then the last game that I picked up was Dragonwood, and Dragonwood is I don't know it's it's probably not in depth enough for an adult i mean you could probably find some fun there but it's really good for 
kids and I'm it's fun enough that I don't mind playing it with them anytime they ask which is very important for games oh, that yeah. I'm buying for my kids and it's great for kids because it has enough like thinking and probability and math that they're definitely learning things without thinking that they're learning them um, it's a game where you have a bunch of encounters with this deck and you draw cards into your hand and so like if you can do certain things with your hand of cards so like if you have all the same color or if you have um, a certain number of cards in a row or stuff like that if you have like all the same number of cards right you can put them down and do a certain type of attack and however many cards you can like put on put down that meet those criteria that's how many dice you get to roll so it's kind of this balance between like when do you play your cards to have enough dice to do enough damage to like overcome the the obstacle or the cards in front of you in these encounters and so the kids don't realize that they're like doing math in their heads and they're doing probability in their heads and stuff like that all they know is they're trying to like beat the deck and beat the it's not really a dungeon it's like a you know adventure through the woods but yeah that's a that's a really cool game dragonwood that sounds really neat though yeah so those were all my impulse buys um i also impulse bought because the kids wanted it yoshi's crafted world and it's okay it's a yoshi game um they're having fun playing co-op but you know it's it's a yoshi game it's exactly what you think it'll be so there's nothing super interesting there it's super fun though the demo that was released like i really want to get this game but mainly because of the co-op i want to be able to play it with jennifer yeah yeah the co-op is fun i think it's hard to know when you're playing with kids if it's fun for adults you know it's kind of that balance um but they're having a lot of fun and if you like yoshi games like it's easy to recommend because it's definitely a solid yoshi game um and then i also picked up nintendo online this week because it was free so if you have twitch prime you can get uh three months of nintendo online for free and then if you check back at the end of those three months you can get another nine months so you can basically get a year subscription for free and so there's no reason not to um it's okay I guess like you and I were talking (laughs) about this. Um, It gives you an app that gives you a bunch of NES games, but like I have an NES classic and also all the games I've played before, you know, like I'm just, I'm not that drawn in by NES games these days. Um, Tetris 99 is pretty interesting. You know, this competitive battle Royale Tetris, I'm not very good at it, but it's definitely interesting. So I've been playing that for five or 10 minutes here and there, but like, I just, there's not, I'm glad it's so cheap, and I'm also glad that I got it for free because there's not a whole lot to Nintendo Online yet. I hope they keep adding more. Um, if they started adding, like, Super Nintendo games, I bet they would get a lot more people to sign up. Yeah, and that, I, that's one thing I don't understand why they're they're doing it the way that they are because the most... I, as, and I think that I'm right on this. Somebody's going to correct me, I know, but I think that it's the Super Nintendo games that have done the best on the virtual consoles, too, aren't they? That, Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. The, I don't understand why they go back to the NES to begin this and uh, not do it later because they keep updating it. Every month gets new games, but it's it's not the Super Nintendo. Even if they did Game Boy games, it would be uh, be something to get like Link's Awakening. If they did Game Boy stuff before the new Link's Awakening came out, stuff like that would be awesome. Get Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons on there, things like that. And uh, but like Super Nintendo, if I could get on there and play like Breath of Fire two or any of the things that are on the the Super Nintendo Classic, I would uh, I'd be all about it. But as it stands. I log on every once in a while. I very rarely actually play anything on the NES one. Yeah, I mean, at least now I will have my, you know, Nintendo Online subscription active for when Mario Maker 2 hits because I'm excited for that. And then also 
I'm kind of holding out hope that Nintendo will do more things like Tetris 99, where they'll have a Nintendo Direct and suddenly be like, this game's available right now on our service. Like, that could very well happen multiple times later this year. Yeah, and I, I expect it to. That That is actually what I told Jennifer this morning. I was talking about Nintendo Directs and things like that, where the best part about it is like, hey, by the way, you can play this right now. Go download it. That's what yes, they did with Tetris that. 99. And she was like, oh... Yeah, um, so I read a bunch this weekend, too, because my house was, like, oddly quiet on Sunday for some reason, so I actually could read. Uh, I read uh, mang- Manga? Is that how you say it? I always forget how to say it. I think it's manga. Manga? But, uh, okay. I'm, I'm... So, it. <laughs> I've tried to pick these up before. I've tried to read them before, and anytime I try to in a bookstore, it just, like, breaks my brain, because if you guys don't know, if you've never looked at one, you read them right to left, and... I'm so programmed to read left to right because I've been doing it for, you know, my entire life, just like most of us probably listening if you're in an English speaking country and these are Japanese and it's, I I don't know, I could never get over it, but there was one that had an interesting enough premise that I picked it up digitally on Comixology. So it's called FF Lost Stranger. It's like a Final Fantasy um, game, basically. It's a Square Enix employee and a Final Fantasy super fan who gets lost in a Final Fantasy world. It's like, it's just enough of a dumb hook, but like right in the <laughs> topics that will get me in my weak point that I was like, I kind of have to try this out. So it ties back to that lit RPG conversation that we had. Like, this is definitely a lit RPG genre, you know? It's putting them inside a Final Fantasy game. And the thing that I found out is that apparently I can read, what was it? Was it manga? I, manga? I think so. Okay. So somebody's we're gonna get so many tweets. I'm gonna get angry tweets. That's okay. You guys can correct me. Um, I can read it if it's digital because I don't know why. Something about that broke through my like mental block where like every physical one that I've ever picked up, I can't read right to left. I just like as much as I try. But this one I was able to like get over that hurdle and read it digitally right to left. So for me, it's the page flip. It's okay. uh, I can read individual pages like that, but I can read them digitally as well. Uh, there were some there's there were some apps that uh, I think it was Ninja Boy on Slack that had shared, and uh, it may have been Data Error, one or the other, and uh, they. Uh, the apps I can read on, I can read the uh, manga like that, but I cannot uh, do it in by, as a book. Like it really does break my brain to do that. That I haven't had the practice at it yet. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. Like if you guys are big Final Fantasy super fans like me, then check out Final Fantasy Lost Stranger. It's it's pretty good. It's like surprisingly good for what it is. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of junk food, and it's kind of like good at the same time. So it's one of those books um the other thing i read was skyward which is a brandon sanderson novel that i didn't even know existed until i like ran into it this weekend i think it's been out for a while and you looked at this one after i talked to you about it right i never actually went and looked at it i should have okay so it's not it's sci-fi which sanderson doesn't do a whole lot and it's good sci-fi too like i really enjoyed it i read the whole book in a day i think um it's kind of about pilots and different generations of pilots um on this world that's surrounded by debris and they're trying to stay alive while holding off aliens that are like outside of the debris ring so it's kind of like debris is all the way around the planet and aliens can kind of get through but kind of not enough of them at a time and so the humans are trying to come back to the surface and reestablish like a city or like multiple cities on the surface, but they have to defend them with, you know, uh, fighter jets basically that are, they're, you know, sci-fi, but fighter jets. And 
it's all about like rebuilding society while fighting off aliens while trying to like break out of this world and being trapped in the world there's a lot of mysteries about like what's going on and why but right near the end of the book a ton of it got answered and it's just like oh that's where all the sanderson world building went in it's like there's so much more to this universe and i'm so excited for book two which is what he does like that is what he is absolutely best at is pulling he's not even pulling the rug out from under he just opens the window in the later half of a book it's like it's not a twist it's not something where you're like oh no that's not m night Shyamalan. it's like you know all this stuff that was kind of cool before well let sit down kids here here let's let's have a talk and everything just gets better it's like that uh it's like the opening sequence of movies when they were like this is dvd and this is blu-ray where they'd faded it out it's like he just he just does a screen wash and it's like everything's brighter yeah, and there's something about, you know, I feel it the same way with Mistborn also, mm-hmm. as it, yep. and a lot of his books, it's like the end of the first book when you get there and it just opens up and shows you the rest of the world because so many authors hint around a bigger world throughout their books or book series and they never really pay it off. And Sanderson never makes you wait beyond like a book. Well, I shouldn't say that. Way of Kings is a <laughs> is an outlier there. That's what I was thinking yeah. as soon as you said that. I was like, ah. But outside of Way of Kings, he doesn't ever really make you wait for it for more than like the first novel. And like the first novel is good. Like it's good enough story on its own. Like the setting is interesting. Like there was enough there. I Like I said, I read the whole thing in one sitting. But as I got into the last quarter of the book and the world and the universe just opened up and I just went, oh, wow, I really need more of this setting. I can't wait for the next book. I bought it just now. Okay. Talk about, talk about impulse buys. It's like you're saying this. Like, pulled out my phone and went to Amazon and I bought it because it sounds so cool. But it's like this. This is how I impulse buy stuff. <laughs> I want to talk about that one more in depth after you read it. Then, yep. Because it, it, it does. That sounds like perfect kind of Sanderson book for me. Uh, you really truly sold me on it when it was like, okay, it all opened up toward the end. I was like, no, there it is. It's like, yeah, okay, as long as that's there and it's not uh, kind of, I won't say buried, but it's not uh, a, a slow burn, really. I'm, I'm good. That's that's kind of what I want right now. So I'll probably start that uh, tonight before I go to bed. Oh, it's really good. Okay, we got to talk about that more in depth after you finish that first one. Um, that's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or or feedback, our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord, so you can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links and you can hang out with us there. And while you're there, you can also check out all the other shows on our network and the really cool blogs that we have going on on our new publication called The Geekery. Nice. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRS and mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beach that's beach with two e's and i blog where i just told you about <laughs> we've been voiding beach with your geek to geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks bye geeks be impulsive and leave a review tell your friends
Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello, friends. This is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch.